Welcome to the Memory Hole Show, where we talk about controversial ideas, unacceptable views, and pry through the madness. I'm your host, Brian, and this is episode number 15. Welcome back, everyone. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm so grateful to have met so many interesting people in my life. One of those interesting people is a guy I met through work. He came over from India many years ago and worked his butt off to get where he is. What I like about this guy is his logical and clear thinking. He's methodical in his approach to problem solving and isn't a fan of sugarcoating things. Anyways, he and his wife worked very hard to support their two sons who are now very successful. So a few years back, I pointed out to him that he needs to do something for himself. He works so hard to support his family, but he needed to have a hobby or something that he could do for himself. Being a guitar player myself, and also not too bad of a drummer, I suggested that he learn an instrument. You have to understand that if you don't start an instrument at a young age, you probably won't ever learn one. So he started to learn the drums. I passed on what I could and he just took off with it. I'm very proud of what he's accomplished with his drumming hobby. I'm glad to have had that kind of impact on his life and happiness. Keep it up, Naraj. And now, onto the show. This week I'm going to be talking about a Twitter thread that I found quite interesting. It's by Marcus Hardwire, Twitter handle, at amnesia underscore God. What I like about this thread is that it summarizes what the last two years were like to live in a country where your own prime minister singles you out and turns the majority of society against you. If you ever wondered whether or not World War II would turn out the same way if it happened today, well, yes it would. And the last two years are proof. So here goes. Marcus starts. Like nearly one in five Canadians, I chose not to get the COVID vax. As a result, my own countrymen were turned against me and I was barred from participating in society. It sucked. But I'm actually glad it happened, because it taught me several important lessons. Before I get into the lessons that Marcus is talking about, I can say for myself the pressure to conform and get vaccinated was set to the max. And if some form of global tyranny comes out over the next few years, I'd say there won't be enough resistance to stop it. So Marcus continues into his first point here, and I'll read a few of the tweets in a row. One, most people are all talk and no action. In early 2021, people around me were hesitant to get the jab and didn't like the idea of a vax passport. Two people even told me they would protest if the vax pass system was implemented. Guess what? They did not. They complied. I saw the same thing happen early in the pandemic. People rallied against lockdowns, mandatory masking, and social distancing, yet they still followed those same rules. It's easy to criticize something, it's much harder to take action, especially when it could be unpopular. Very few people wanted to be accused of being anti-vax or anti-science. The idea of not going against the grain was too scary for most, so they got the jab. I learned most people will not stand up for what they believe in if they will be standing alone. I think Marcus captures some really interesting ideas in this first part. People complain about things they don't like, and I'm no different. I do it too, but last year after my health scare, I realized I needed a bigger platform to talk about the counter-narrative, to push back, to take more action. The time to sit back and wait for this new wave of authoritarianism to solve itself is over. Anyways, most people were okay with not having any mid to long term data on the vaccines and got the shot as soon as possible. All I wanted was information so I could make an informed decision. But to question how the government was handling the pandemic? That was sacrosanct. It shows you the power of regime media, how $600 million can help you reinforce a narrative. Marcus makes a good point about going against the grain in order to stand up for your values, and he's right. I've always been an against-the-grain kind of guy, 
although I haven't always spoken up. It's a tough thing to do. You make yourself the nail that sticks out, waiting to be hammered back into place by the government and a society that's turned against you. Marcus continues on. 2. Emotions are more powerful than facts. So why did I choose not to get vaxxed? No long-term safety data. Saw people dying, being injured. Little to no risk of dying from COVID, had natural immunity. Remembered a thalidomide Tuskegee experiment against medical coercion. All very legitimate reasons from my perspective, but not from the point of view of most people. When I would explain these points to people, it was like the info went in one ear and out the other. All that mattered was that I wasn't following the crowd, and that made them angry. As the vax was rolled out, I saw emotionally charged language being used to sway public opinion. Help us return to normal. Protect yourself and others. Being unvaxxed is selfish. They're holding us back. There wasn't as much emphasis on the data besides 95% effective. Few people did their own research into whether the vaccines were actually safe and effective. They relied on government and the media for the truth, and they allowed their emotions to be manipulated into hating anybody who questioned the facts. As such, I learned. All valid points, Marcus. You hear Ben Shapiro saying it all the time. Facts don't care about your feelings. Which isn't wrong, but it misses the point in this case. Emotions are very powerful movers. Imagine a movie that had no emotions and only facts. It wouldn't sell. So, we learned that by using emotions to manipulate people, they would willingly ignore the facts. For me, I saw several red flags that pushed me away from this vaccine. Heavy social pressure from the media and the government was a big thing. Immunity from liability for the pharma companies for the negative side effects was another big thing. No long-term data to support a complete picture so I could evaluate the risks and the benefits? Well, that's kind of a problem too. Listening to the politicians continuously say that the vaccine was safe and effective, even as emerging data was starting to give us a clearer and different picture. These were all things that set off red flags for me. Marcus touches on people relying on regime media and the government to be the sole tellers of the truth. So I turn to sources like preprint medical studies and stuff like that, and they're boring and all that, but they're quite informative. And when I would show people things from those studies that contradicted the official diktat, they would be disregarded as conspiracy theories. I guess only the agreeable doctors and scientists, the ones that conform to the desired narrative, are to be listened to. Marcus continues. 3. Humans are always looking for an enemy. During the September 21 election, Prime Minister Trudeau promised to give provinces the funding to set up the vax pass systems. The conservatives, who wanted medical exemptions for the unvaxxed, were seen as not caring about public health. Trudeau essentially won re-election by exploiting the division between the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. And with that victory, the state had okayed hatred towards an entire group of people within the country. One poll found that many Canadians wanted jail time for the unvaxxed. It's a very small group of people, but that doesn't shy away from the fact that they take up space, Trudeau said of the unvaxxed in December. This leads us, as a leader and as a country, to make a choice. Do we tolerate these people? When I hear something like that, that quote from Trudeau, I think of Hitler and a gas chamber. Who talks like that, especially as a leader of a country? It makes me wonder if there's a plan to free up space from, you know, 20% of the population. What does he mean when he asks if these people should be tolerated? Gotta love what you can say and get away with when you have nice hair. So brutal. Marcus goes on. 
During this time, I was personally accused of being hateful, selfish, a moron, hating old people, wanting COVID to last forever, and falling for unfounded conspiracy theories. I am the opposite of all of these things, but the pro-vax mob lumped all of us into one basket. While I still believe humans are for the most part good, I saw we have a built-in need for the other. To give many of us meaning, we need a person or a group of people to hate. And governments can masterfully steer this instinct towards the targets of their choosing. On the show notes, I've included a picture of the article from the hard left-leaning newspaper Toronto Star from August 26, 2021. On it, you can see quotes from people. Here's a couple. I have no empathy left for the willfully unvaccinated. Let them die. Or another one. I honestly don't care if they die from COVID. Not even a little bit. And that's the left for you. They hate. They hate the people that don't conform to their ideology. And they put it on full display for all to see. That's how far left society has come. They don't even have to hide their disdain for people that think differently than them. Marcus continues with the next idea. Four, the left-right political divide doesn't matter. I already knew this, but it became even more obvious when the Vax Pass came. My province is run by a conservative government that claims to believe in limiting state power. But that philosophy went out the window in 2020. At the federal and provincial level, there was virtually no difference between the left and the right when it came to COVID. They all pushed for lockdowns, masking, the vax, and an out-of-abundance-of-caution approach. The only difference was the cons seemed to be more hesitant. The way I see it, both sides of the political spectrum are two wings of the same bird. They offer the illusion of choice and distract people from the real rulers that lurk in the shadows. Politics and voting, ultimately, is meaningless. Now, personally, as I've said many times, the left and the right are two sides of the same a-hole coin. Every politician worried about one metric. How many people died of COVID on my watch? That's it. Nothing else mattered. All the other deaths were inferior. And so, to execute that COVID zero plan with no other deaths being of concern, anything goes. Rights? What are those? Bodily autonomy? Never heard of it. In Ontario, Doug Ford turned out to be a blue liberal. As a side note, for my US listeners that don't know, the color blue is used by the conservatives and red is used by the liberals. Anyways, the only difference between the left and the right parties was how much more authoritarian they were willing to become. The good news is that more people are finally waking up. I just hope there's enough awareness to build momentum to reverse this nasty trend we're on. You know the people that like to control others are going to keep trying. Hopefully there will be more resistance this time. Marcus continues. 5. Stoicism is absolutely crucial during hard times. It was now December. I couldn't go to gyms, restaurants, or bars. Many of my friends had abandoned me. My government was demonizing me and turning the rest of the country against me. Things were looking grim. So once again, I confided in famous Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius. You have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find strength. I couldn't change the facts that these things were happening to me, but I could respond to them in different ways. Instead of drinking alone, I did push-ups. Instead of raging at the unfairness of the situation, I laughed at the absurdity of it. Instead of contemplating ending it all, I took my dog for a walk. While I sometimes faltered, I did my best to embody that philosophy. 
So I like how Marcus talks about perspective here. I've said it before, it's tough to see through the storm and stay positive. I fight it all the time myself. Did it suck that I couldn't go to restaurants? Yeah, sure, but I saved a lot of money and it's better for my health. I didn't have a gym membership to lose, but luckily I have a gym set up at home that I could use instead. As for society being turned against me and people in my situation, well, for me the red flags went off early. I knew that many people would eventually catch up and see what was right in front of them. It turns out that patience was more useful than facts. I guess using emotions to control people is effective, but perhaps time is the antidote to emotion. Keeping people emotionally charged forever is not a very easy thing to do. More from Marcus. 6. Help can come from unexpected places. In January, the federal government introduced a VAX mandate for truckers crossing the border. I thought it was a dumb policy. I was not the only one. Weeks later, the streets of Ottawa were crowded with hundreds of honking vehicles. Every weekend, thousands of people came to Parliament Hill to support the truckers in their protest against COVID restrictions. The protesters occupied the nation's capital for nearly three weeks before being pushed out by the police. But they made a huge impact. Polls found one in three Canadians supported the truckers. People questioned what the point of the VAX passports were, since the VAX were also getting and spreading COVID. While our government won't admit it, the protesters were instrumental in us getting rid of the VAX mandates. By April, the VAX passport system had been lifted. I never could have guessed that a group of pissed-off Canucks and their transport trucks would save the day by traveling thousands of kilometers to hold my city hostage. It was truly a deus ex machina moment. Okay, so I covered this topic in a previous episode, but all I can say is that I'm grateful the truckers pushed back. This is a unique group. Although energy is the foundation of all modern society, the truckers are the lifeline to it. Mess with them at your own peril. Back to Marcus. 7. Tyranny is always just around the corner. As I write this thread from a crowded coffee shop, I am incredibly grateful to be allowed back in society following the abolition of the Vax Pass system. But the crisis is not over. Far from it, in fact. I truly believe that the events of the last two years broke a lot of people. They are terrified of getting sick. They feel vitriol towards those of us who want to live normally. And they are itching for a return to extreme public health restrictions. During COVID, governments around the world destroyed people's livelihoods, decimated their mental and physical health, and engaged in an unprecedented assault of their civil liberties. And many people cheered and said, keep going. So that's what governments are going to do. We will see several more crises this century. And each time, the noose of tyranny will tighten. If mankind chooses to do nothing, like they did when millions were ostracized for not submitting to an ineffective and ultimately harmful medical procedure, we will all lose. In the end, I don't want any sympathy. What I went through was mild compared to the people who lost their jobs and loved ones, or who eventually surrendered and got vaxxed. And in a way, I'm glad the ostracization happened to me. I'm a stronger man for having experienced it. Marcus captures it perfectly. Tyranny is always just around the corner. In the case of Canada, it came around the corner into full view. The part that scares me about all of this is what we learned during the last two years. Here's a few points of concern. One, it was incredibly easy to control people. Although many things the government did were wrong and would eventually be reversed, in the short term, the government can yield a ton of power. Two, how the Vax Pass could easily be the precursor to some form of social credit system. 
they weren't shy about dividing society and using digital ID to enforce compliance. Three, how the government used the financial system to shut up dissent. Imagine what could be done to people with dissenting viewpoints when central bank digital currency is brought in. Anyone's money and assets could be deleted at the touch of a button. Four, how dangerous regime media has become. Journalism moved from stating the facts to telling the narrative. They only start telling the truth, if at all, once the tide is unavoidable. The point here is to stop reading and watching regime media. It's propaganda. They were bought and paid for by the government. They aren't trustworthy at this time. But to Marcus's point, this whole experience shed light onto who's who in the world. I've found a great community from doing this podcast, from speaking out, from engaging with people on Twitter. I probably wouldn't have had so many new friends otherwise. So at least there's a little silver lining in all of this. I love running into these interesting threads. They make you think and they often give you a different perspective or insight. So as usual, before I go, I have a question. What thread should I read about next? If you have any or if you found any, let me know. Leave comments on Twitter at Memory Hole Show. Or better yet, leave comments on the show notes for this episode. The links are on your podcast player, or you can visit the show's website, memoryholeshow.com. Make your voice heard, join the conversation, and unsilence yourselves. And don't forget, speak up or you'll get memory hold. All content from MemoryHoleShow.com and the Memory Hole Show is for the purpose of entertainment and is presented solely as opinion.